Welcome to the Meta View Podcast. Hear these non-fungible conversations. They will yield you great knowledge and perspective. But beware, they might also make your brain go boom. So watch your step, because this rabbit hole goes deep. Good luck and have fun. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. No, we've known each other for a long time, so it's kind of fun that we're doing this podcast episode. Yeah. Looking forward to it. 2016, which is like infinity in crypto years. <laughs> yeah, that's like the dark ages. <laughs> But yeah, Mike, uh, Mike here is most well-known for the Future Thinkers podcast, which is still my all-time favorite podcast that led me to discover many great things. You know, like when I found you, like you were bringing together all of the subjects that I was ever interested in, like anything from like psychedelics, psychology and philosophy to like all the game B stuff that I've discovered and crypto and everything in between. Like you were covering literally all the subjects that I was <laughs> interested in. A question for you. Have you noticed the through line because you've been such a long time listener of the podcast? Like there's a, I, I've always said to people, there's a through line from the very beginning and the evolution of things like as we covered different subjects it spawned the next subject and and like it was very linear the progression of the podcast did you connect to that like as you were going from one episode to another one did you connect to that linear progression where you were because a lot of people have said like i was thinking about this thing after listening to your podcast and then you did in the next episode and it was about that thing did you ever experience that what i noticed is like uh, in the beginning it was a lot more random or diverse And then, like uh, as years went on, we were like you know, more fo following like a thread and more focused on like the the game B stuff and now the like, the villages and that sort of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, like uh, you were also my first uh, online job that I got by just sending you an email a suggestion and you were like, hey, you want to come work for us? <laughs> you sure. Which was amazing because you were already in crypto and doing all right there. And you probably, I don't know if you needed that job, but yeah. No, at the time, at the time, that was like 2016. So at the time, I just, uh, I just got in, just got into crypto and got my first job and uh, receiving the pay when Ether was like $12. Yeah. So I could, I could share all kinds of horrible stories about you in this podcast. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I want to do that. But I do want you to be afraid for the rest of the episode that I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> It might come up. It might come up. And some weird stories from Thailand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, uh, and yeah, yeah. It basically led me to discover all kinds of crazy things through the podcast. And it was awesome. But uh, the reason I got you here is also because you're doing two other awesome projects that also fit perfectly into kind of thing that we're covering here, which is the the village that you're building and the portal DAO NFTs, which yeah, is all the things that we should get into. Sure. Let's start with something like what uh, what got you on this journey? Like right now you're you're in Canada in this uh, village that you are building and you are from Canada, but you're kind of been all over the world for many years before going there and doing this massive project. And I want to hear like yeah, from the beginning, like what got you disillusioned and going on this journey across the world, the whole hero's journey. 
<laughs> I think it was the disillusionment that got me to start the podcast. And then from there, it was just like hopeful and positive for the most part. As, as I did more shadow work, the world got brighter. So a lot of the early episodes and a lot of the private calls that we did associated with future thinkers were about kind of doing shadow work. So like facing your demons, facing the dark parts of the world, um, like looking at societal and economic and environmental collapse and sitting with it and then taking action that isn't out of desperation, but instead is out of duty and just appropriate application of skill and thought and patience and care. So that's really where the village was born out of. The the podcast was about thinking about these ideas. It was also a bit of a journey uh, for UV and I, like our personal and spiritual journey, which kind of took place on the show and then gradually evolved into us taking action. So it's I think that's like what people have expressed to me lately is that's the most interesting thing that's taking place right now with us is the fact that we've been these like heady talkers and suddenly we're embodied and doing stuff like I'm literally the guy driving the excavator and the tractor and like, you know, digging and laying pipes and fixing sewage pipes and all kind. you know, it's just like I'm doing all of that with my uncle out here. So a huge amount of embodiment. Uh, so your question was, what got us on this thing, right? Do, do you want me to continue there? No, I just wanted to say like the, the work that usually people don't really enjoy you doing, but you do. Well, the shadow work stuff is like so foundational. No, I meant like the, the, the physical labor that you're doing. I understand that. And what, what I'm saying is uh, the shadow work is foundational because I do those jobs knowing that it's duty and there's no one else that's going to do it. And I have no judgment about myself being higher or lower than this task. It's just a thing that needs to be done. The land demands it. The people living on the land demand it. So it needs to be done. I, honestly, becoming a parent has been a, a big part of that, like. You know, you can't just shy away from diapers because they're gross or something. You got to just do what's required. Right. The duties of life. And that said, UV would probably smack me over the head because she does all of the diaper changing. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I shouldn't have said that, actually. <laughs> She'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? You haven't changed a diaper in months. Actually, UV, I did change one last week. So, so there. Make me a POAP. <laughs> <laughs> I attended that event. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you were going, uh, what was the last thing you said when you were continuing? What got you here? Yeah. So, you know, we'd interviewed a lot of people about Civilization 2.0 and Game B and, you know, Jordan Hall and Jim Rutt and Daniel Schmunkenberger kind of introduced to us this concept of that, you know, thinkers all over the world were, were diving into and trying to expand on and create lore for and create, you know, like a gravity well for and this concept of Game B uh, that we can build something that is omni thrive and regenerative and isn't incentivized by selfish monetary gain. So we dived into that and we thought like, you know, there's a lot of thinking about this subject, but why not just try something out? And UV and I have always been kind of ballsy in that respect. Like we, we try things prematurely and, and just fail hard and, and we're used to that and we're comfortable with it. So we thought, well, let's just try this thing. Let's try building a village and see how it goes. And so that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of projects behind you, but then you finally managed. Like you got a few thinkers to work, so you don't no longer have to do the called the freelance work. 
and media production you were doing? Well, honestly, we let like, you know, there's been a lot of things that we started and then we let them die and to our detriment in a lot of ways. So we've, we've never really had good secured income. But honestly, now the property, because of the type of, of land that we chose, it's a popular campsite. So it in itself generates income that sustains us while we're allowing ourselves to take the time to learn the land and produce less content and be less less engaged on the media side. So it's kind of like the whole universe wants us to succeed with this project. Like so many doors have opened to allow us to focus on what we need to focus on. Right. And it feels like everything has been leading perfectly to this point. And I remember when you were like, uh, you were going to start a... There was this uh, warehouse in Bulgaria or some old building that you wanted to turn into like a incubator. Yeah, it, which was actually like a version of this project. Um, we wanted to create an incubator and it was sort of our urban version of this project. But I'm, I'm glad that didn't work out uh, because this one I feel is a lot more holistic and healthy. And then there's this resilience component of just being out in nature. Like nature is a lot harsher than urban environments. There's a lot more you have to deal with temperature wise. You're wet and cold and frustrated and, you know, hurting yourself all the time. So yeah. Yeah. And then that kind of enters into the, our choice to go back to Canada as well. Like there are way easier countries to do this type of project in than Canada. And, and that, that includes bureaucracy and policy, but it also includes weather. Uh, like we get literally six months of snow and, and winter. And so compared to like Eastern Europe, where we lived for a long time, it's a lot harsher of a climate to deal with. We could have gone to Costa Rica or Mexico, but there was always this thing in the back of our mind, villages need to be built with family family is more invested family you know it takes a family to raise a child and we just had our first child uh two years ago so there was that family component but then there was this component of like we want this project to succeed not just for us but for other people to be able to replicate it and do it themselves in other locations so honestly the best way to do it would be to do it in a very difficult location with a variety of climates and uh, seasons so that we can really kind of battle test ourselves in multiple dimensions. And then, you know, where places are more stable and the bureaucracy is easier to get through, then we could share our lessons and, and help out in, in those places. And it'd be a lot more likely to su- succeed. Even just the weather, like with the, the harsh winter and the, the pipes freezing in the ground and shit. Yeah. It's constant. And then snow plowing, like you've got to plow. You don't think about these things and they take up so much time. Like in an urban environment, so many things are taken care of, care of for you. And here it's like, and we're not even growing our own food yet. Like that's a whole other thing. We're, we're going to start that this year. So you need, you need to like, there's so much to think about at an infrastructure survival level. Yuvi's uh, been joking, like we're a very base chakra level right now. And I, I say, so I kind of took that and ran with it and said, we're a taint-centered organization. And it definitely feels like that. Everything is like survival. I don't know if you're familiar with chakras at all, but it's kind of funny. To... We're taint-centered. <laughs> yeah, you expect it to be hard, and then it's even harder. I don't know about that. I expect it to be hard, and I know that I will do whatever is necessary. So... 
honestly, in a lot of ways this year, even though we're dealing with way more than we've ever dealt with, this past year has been for some reason emotionally easier for me. It's been hard for UV for sure. And I, I'm still in dealing emotionally with stuff that, you know, that is not easy, but I don't know, for some reason, it's just like when you're on the path, you'll go through hell because you know, you're on the path. Like the, the real meaning and, and like love and purpose is, is knowing you're on the right path. So you could, you can deal with anything if you know you're there. And that's what it feels like for me. Getting pleasure from, uh, from struggle. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm just becoming a masochist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But no, like, uh, it's, just accepting this duty and like yeah and it's funny too because like we have we have a lot of other people here and and some other people are kind of like not able to deal with it they don't hold the vision so it's like you know some people really do and then it's the same story for them they just love where they're at and they they um are able to weather the storm but then other people are kind of like it's really when your expectations of what should be don't match up to reality that's really what causes the suffering like it shouldn't be like this you know it's like well no nature says that it is like this so suck it up that's all you can do nature says listen to nature uh, because yeah a lot of people romanticize i guess you were like more realistic than most people that uh that want to do something like this maybe i don't know they're like oh yeah that's so cool but then it's, <laughs> it's really really hard yeah it is like and i don't know it seems almost cliche at this point when you talk to homesteaders they they always say like well you don't realize or what you don't have to deal with in an urban environment and and uh there's certain things like water management that I never expected to be dealing with at the volume and like the level of time investment that I thought I would. Like, it seems like every time, cause I do a lot of work online and I'm, I'm working on this portal DAO project, which we can talk about. So my, my family is taking up a lot of the slack, especially like this year. So I'm not really being called to like do a lot of physical stuff right now, but whenever I am, it almost always has something to do with water. <laughs> like anytime I'm pulled away from the computer, it's like this thing is flooded or this thing is plugged or this thing is burst and it's always water related. (laughs) Yeah. Unexpected troubles. Yeah. But uh, what was like the the hardest, the hardest thing so far? Uh, Isolation, honestly. The winter, like everyone. So we had 3000 people come to visit in the first two and a half months or three months or something like that last year after we acquired the property. 3000 people. And so we were all so busy and just dealing with that. And like my whole family were just working basically two full-time jobs just to keep up with, with the demands of everything. And then in the winter, all of those people, including my family and all the people that were living here, like full-time, everybody left. And it was basically just UV, myself and Alex for like five, six months of winter. Like we had my uncle come to visit because he's a heavy duty mechanic and stuff still needs to be repaired that I'm not able to do. But for the most part, it was just the three of us. And and that was pretty isolating. Like normally we would like go to a cafe or something living in Bulgaria or meet up with a bunch of friends. And yeah, it was not quite like that this winter. Right. And it's uh, super cold. It's like minus 30 degrees or something like that. Yeah, there's a short periods of time where it was that cold. 
It was pretty manageable though. Like I can't tell if it, it was actually not bad or if I was just getting used to it. I think probably a mixture of both. Not not the climate for me. No, no. Eastern Europeans are <laughs> uh, don't do well here. But then you could take it as a challenge too. Like this will make me hardier. This will make me more resilient. This will make me tougher. And then you go back home and you're like suddenly able to deal with a lot more bullshit than you were before. So I, I kind of hope people take that, like see that possibility in this place and come to visit us in the hard times as well as the easy times. Because uh, you can't help but grow here. Like you really can't help it. It's just, it demands it of you. You're, you're forced to learn the Wim Hof technique. Yeah, exactly. Wim Hof is totally related to that for sure. There are lots of times actually where I'd like I'd have a shower, super hot shower, and then I'd just go stand outside in my underwear in the in the in the winter. It was actually pretty awesome. We want to build a sauna. <laughs> I'll probably do that. But the uh, you were trying to you you were you were going to say something, but then I said uh, I mentioned the Wim Hof technique. Yeah, well, it's funny because open on my screen right now is like the metaverse virtual version of our property and we're trying to create this virtual reality version where there's as much as possible embedded there like our learnings or our the experiences that we have here or workshops that we will conduct or, or events so I, i'm just or bounties like there's always stuff to be done and we always need help so just having kind of like this like almost Pokemon Go style bounty system where there's like NFTs stashed all over the property that represent doing chores and you can collect them and claim them and, and earn some money. So there's this whole metaverse component of this project that we hope will, will train people and give them an embodied experience and allow them to kind of replicate this in other locations. And what, what I hope to do is create like, did you ever play The Sims? Yeah. Yeah. So remember how like you could have multiple houses and multiple locations, but you almost like teleport between them. So I almost picture like in the metaverse, a village of villages where you've got your chunk of land and all the things that happen on your land and your location occur there in the metaverse. But then you can like portal instantaneously to another location in Italy or something and kind of get an idea of what they're doing and how things are different too. Like if I could play with weather systems in the metaverse, that would be really interesting because then it would illustrate like the differences in climate and bioregion and that sort of stuff. And then to just teleport between them would be super interesting. It's kind of like, I don't know, just thinking now, this is like like the coolest metaverse, in my opinion, metaverse uh, possibility, like to build in all the NFTs and the and like to show all the ways that NFTs can be used and then to like embody all this in a metaverse and to like show people how to be regenerative. It's like, I'm, I'm like tooting my own horn here, but <laughs> it's like, it's fucking cool. I, I think this is just like the coolest project. No, I definitely agree. Like I'm, I'm not so much into the metaverse stuff precisely like because it's like so focused on the virtual and like, we'll be, like everybody will be building these uh, virtual worlds and not focusing on the real world and like, fixing shit in the real world. And then uh, yeah, projects like this who are like bringing together the physical and the virtual. I think that's the, the best, sounds to me like the best use case. Yeah, and to like figure out how to bring the virtual and the augmented reality together too is a big question I've never seen really done properly. So like if our village is more or less one-to-one, -one, like, you know, with the metaverse version, then 
theoretically, you could have layers of the AR world disappear depending on if you are in, like on the land or not. So you could kind of have this fluid or this gradient between reality and, and the uh, virtual world that is progressively revealed depending on where you are. Like there's this project we're working with called, uh, we're, we're going to hopefully start working with, I should say, uh, called XR Foundation. And I was just talking with Yuvi today about the idea of, so say we have like our, our co-working meetup cafe space, right? And, you know, people are always doing Zoom calls, but the, these this XR Foundation and a lot of other uh, VR platforms are trying to, in a way, replace Zoom so that you have, you have like an avatar in a physical space. You can still see people's video chat and you can still wander around and host like meetings and breakout rooms and stuff, but to like put it into a physical space and then to link that to a real physical space where like the people working might want to have a meetup or a chat. So they just log in and people in the metaverse can wander over to the meetup space and just see these people working or whatever, or like chat with them and meet up. I think that would just be so cool. Like there's a healthy way to use VR in the metaverse. There's a healthy way that these things can come together. And I don't think many people are really talking about it, but yeah, there's such a huge opportunity there that, that I want to try and take advantage of. Yeah. Like thing, like I really haven't, <laughs> definitely haven't heard many, many people talk much about like this sort of bring it together. For sure. Yeah. And uh, then how does the, the portal now loop into all of this? Well, there's a regenerative lab component, right? So we want to do a lot of experiments. And because of the podcast, we're connected to a lot of different companies and people who are innovating and, and experimenting with new technologies. And, you know, one that was just brought to my attention the other day is this like data, natural data embedding platform. I'm not sure I fully understand it, but like you could, you can like embed data into plants. I don't know, that might actually end up being dystopian, but so maybe it's a bad example. But then there's examples of what like, say Paul Stamets is doing, where he wants to start an NFT collection and he wants to use mushrooms to like absorb oil spills. And, you know, mushrooms are kind of crazy. You can, they have so many different uses and he wants to almost like program mushrooms to do different things to help you, people to be more healthy or to fix problems in the environment. So like we could use our place as an experimental ground for those types of projects, right? And it's not only for like regenerative experiments, it's also for living. So there's a lot of experiments that come into place with like governance and and how do people live in, in a healthy and holistic way. So really we don't want to be prescriptive for anybody. And we don't even have ideas that we think are totally right. We just have sort of ideas we want to try out. And we want to create a culture of like willingness to fail and try things out. So the DAO will be responsible for managing and kind of suggesting, not fully managing, but definitely suggesting a lot of these different experiments. And then people who are participants in the DAO will reap a lot of the benefits of those experiments. So there'll be things like, you know, ways to earn stays or ways to kind of gain membership across the network of villages, because I foresee other villages wanting to participate in meta experiments with villages. So maybe there's sort of like a membership model of where people just subscribe or they buy one of the NFTs and that allows them to, to visit other locations as well. There are different platforms that are doing this like cabin Dow and uh, what's the other one? Uh, something network. Um, Bloom network. Oh, I feel bad. 
No, not sorry. Say again. Bloom Network. They have a few like eco villages in the network. That might be it. Um, yeah, I've got it actually up here. Where is it? Co- uh, Cohere Network. That's what it is. Cohere Network. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that one recently. Like a, yeah, less than a week ago. Yeah, I just chatted with them yesterday actually, and and it's very much aligned. It's like this sort of meta network of villages, you could say. And so it's kind of, I mean, it's really obvious what you can do with those types of organizations is you, you could just create like a global membership platform. And the other cool thing is like, it's, it's actually not a conflict of interest to have multiple network platforms exist. They're not exactly competing because they can do token swaps. And so you, if you get membership to one network, you can have automatic membership to other networks. And so I just love the way the blockchain works in that way. It kind of de-incentivizes uh, competition and incentivizes collaboration. Yeah, you just need like some decentralized data, like the ceramic network, and then the, each village would have their own data, and you would just plug in this data across platforms. It wouldn't like you wouldn't even have to like have every village manage their own data across platforms. Just plug it in. For sure. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like the embodied piece of this, I'm discovering there's a lot more that I think the geeks are thinking people are going to want in their village, like as far as far as a smart village goes. Like, yes, you will, at a meta level, we will want to measure and monitor energy usage. And that's something I'm working on installing right now because it's super cheap to do that. So you can have like smart plugs all over the place and monitor heat and electricity usage and all that stuff. But then there's kind of other levels of this where I want to experiment with different ways to kind of build community and allow for emergence to take place on the property. And one of the ways I want to do that is with light and color. So I've explained this before, but, you know, we want to have like a sort of a, a central community hub. And the way we're going to do that is with a projection dome that is also a cafe and a meetup space and a co-working space. So we want to have lights on the outside of that dome that indicate the intention taking place in that dome. So it could be like a private event or it could be a party. It could be a co-working thing. You know, even what I said before about someone being there and being willing to like meet and chat with someone like that could be a color so that, you know, any people from anywhere in the property could they could have a light like a color change light that's hooked up to the network in their homes as well. So you could just be, you know, having some private time cooking some dinner and then the light subtly changes to like a blue hue and then you and what that communicates is that a bunch of people are meeting up in in the dome just in an emergent way just they felt like meeting up at that point and so it just indicates that there's stuff happening around the village you have your like signal control buttons in the dome <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome it does yeah and it's super easy to do too like it's it's really easy to do that you just you pre-program a bunch of lights. Everyone's generally on the same network in the village. So you give, you hand out these lights, everyone's got one and it doesn't have to be intrusive. It can be a very like subtle shade of color, but yeah, it can, uh, I just love that idea. It's like, you want your privacy. Like I want to cater and allow introverts to do what introverts do. Like if they want a home office, if they want to just resurface every, you know, once a day or even a couple of days, that's fine. But I also, have experienced like a roommate co-living situation a lot in the past. And as an introvert myself to have like this automatic social cue, every time someone turns on the TV to play video games or like, you know, you see like someone comes home with a six pack of beer or something like, you know, 
there's a social thing happening. So you have that built-in network. I just want to be able to like accommodate for the online workers, but also have something that brings them in so they can hang out together and be social. Great. Yeah, that's a great idea. Hmm, thanks. It reminded me of this other, like, uh, not uh, not so much social, but more so like, yeah, an idea for helping villages that uh, actually this guy that started Liminal Village a few years ago wanted to or started and then gave up on a project that was going to bring like uh, some projectors or screen, or I think it, there were screens to like uh, village centers where people from the village could just post their like uh, offers and needs and like other things just to have that like sort of central place where people can exchange uh, exchange like know what's going on that's why i want to make a projection dome because like it, there's so many ways that you can interact with a virtual or meta space if you have projectors in a dome and, and it doesn't have to be super intrusive and like facebook dystopian it can be like generally art it can be like an evolving art gallery which would be super cool so you know you're sitting there in this environment working and then like all this cool art, if you want to take a break, is just showing up around you. You can look up and, or you can see the stars projected onto the, the dome. Like, I don't know. I just, I think that would be like a, such a cool place to work in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when can you start building it? Like, <laughs> what are the other things that are on the list of priorities? How much money are you raising and all that? Yeah, that's kind of the number one roadmap item for us. We've had to delay the project once already, and we might actually have to do it again because there's just so many new, like as we've started putting this project out to the community, there's been so many new ideas coming in and just a flood of like emergent ideas. And I feel like we want to execute and kind of alter the vision a little bit to accommodate for some of these things, which means we have to kind of push the deadline back. But we do have a real hard deadline with the property. We have to come up with another half a million dollars to be able to like just that just goes towards debt for the property. So I'm kind of under the gun that way, just trying to make like keep the project happening. So that's why I've been really like rushing the the NFT release. But if we can raise money in a different way, just for the the short term, and then kind of push the date, the like the launch date of the NFTs back like six months, then the cool thing about that would be that a lot of the money raised for the NFTs would go into the actual projects that we want to do. So essentially there's two, actually, no, I've got a diagram. Oh, I guess we're on audio only, but there's a diagram I have that kind of points to all the different things we want to use the money for. So there's like, there's a debt component, then there's the, the community center dome. And then essentially there's a whole bunch of experiments that we want to run on the property and in the metaverse. And then the rest of it will, like a significant chunk of it will go to the DAO and the DAO can choose how to spend that money and which experiments to put it into. So it won't, it won't be like, like we're going to do progressive decentralization. So UV and I will be quite centralized is the power structure at the very beginning of this project. But then over time, what we want to do is just slowly decentralize it and really kind of feel into what's appropriate because we're, I mean, we're here on the land, we're inventing this whole project so we have to make sure it aligns to the vision and not let in like 10,000 people <laughs> that just like have all kinds of crazy different ideas about what should be done here so progressive decentralization slow 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 vote on some crazy thing <laughs> yeah and then the other thing is like you, you need to experiment like DAOs are so new and and 
you know, decentralized governance models are so new and they're being innovated on and iterated on constantly. Like I'm in touch with Jeff Emmett. He's actually an advisor in a project, Jeff Emmett from CommonStack. And he's talking about all the different ways that things are changing and like new DAOs are forming and all these different models to prevent whales from making, you know, having too much influence and blah, blah, blah. It just goes on and on. And so I feel like there needs to be more DAO projects out there that are just doing low stakes governance experiments and figuring out ways to get people really interested and involved, but in low stake ways. So, you know, some of the ways we're thinking of doing that is just with like allowing people to kind of choose different experiments that we run um, to create like art contests. That's a big thing. Like there's a cultural component to this whole project where people in the general populace need to see why this kind of regenerative like homesteading village lifestyle is attractive. And so there's content that can be made and memes that can be made. And, you know, the whole NFT space is, is like exploding with art. So there's so many different ways to use that to create a bit of a cultural movement. So I love the idea of the, of the DAO being sort of built to organize some of that and to fund useful meme projects or, or cultural projects in addition to hard experiments with the village. So that's sort of our low stakes way of experimenting with governance. And then maybe in the future over time, we start building in more like concrete controls that relate to the meta network of villages and then the individual village components. But what that will likely be is like sub DAOs. So we'll have an overarching DAO for portal DAO, and then there'll be multiple sub DAOs that are responsible for different tasks and different organizations. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Like that's kind of the, the structure most most DAOs are going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there's so much to learn, right? Like, so you can't just put all your eggs in one basket and and expect these things to work. And there's so many DGENs in the space that just want to make money and and which is fine. Like I'm not criticizing that, but the, the incentives for how to manage a DAO can be really skewed if you have a lot of people that are just in it for themselves. So that's another sort of strategy we're, we're trying to be aware of. Um, we want to seed our tokens out to people who are heavily aligned. And unfortunately, we have our podcast. So we've, we've got a huge network of people to be able to seed them out to first to make sure the vision doesn't get corrupted. I want to like figure out a way to bring the DGENs in and turn them into regions, you know, by inspiring them with, with something cool and something useful. And also hopefully the thing makes money so that it's their selfish intentions can be taken care of as well. So our model with the portal DAO and with, with our token is to do progressive utility creation over time. So when you look at the website right now to start, there's a lot of utility that relates to kind of experience and storytelling and, and like the artwork and the digital components and the metaverse. But over time, what we hope to do is just kind of progressively add more utilities. And really, this is one of the, like having this project behind us, like having physical land and having this podcast is one of the most solid and concrete ways to be able to do a progressive utility build out because we actually have so many concrete things that that take time and and but really add physical value for people so there's so many ways to build value over time and i hope people can see that yeah just the podcast alone is a huge starting point like you have the (laughs) the huge network huge community and uh, the media like a reach 
And uh, so the the NFTs that you're about to launch, is that like the the main fundraising strategy or like what? Uh... Yeah, I mean, up until this point, they have been. So this is sort of like a version two, because last year we launched an NFT that was a really basic, really simple. It, it was like an 1155 token, which means there were essentially like a, a, a certain number of copies of the same NFT. So it's not really within the spirit of total unique, like, NFTs that people own and there's something special about the one that they own. But we we had like two weeks to launch it, to build it and launch it and raise the funds to be able to purchase the property. <clears throat> and we actually succeeded amazingly. And essentially the people who bought the token were just like longtime listeners to the podcast and supporters who trusted us. And we, we made a promise to them that this would become something at some point in the future, which is what the archetypes are now. So it's not quite what we originally said we would do because there was a whole like tree NFT thing, but I feel like this is a lot better. This is quite the upgrade. It's archetypal. It's deep. It's, it's full of lore and storytelling. There's um, this like profile picture component to it, which I think people really like. So yeah, it's the number one fundraising strategy. It worked partially for us before. I think this is the evolution of the project. So there's this huge metaverse component to this that re just requires time and thinking and build out. And then there's a lot, there's so much to think about at the community level and the regenerative level. So I think what we have to do is delay the project a little longer and just seek funding. Maybe there's a few people that would like to just support us by sending in money now that would would like translate into the nfts in the future i don't i'm not sure exactly because we've only really just discussed this a bit in the last couple of days but yeah primarily the nfts will be the way this project runs and you said the the nfts are happening in like 20 days well that's that was the intention so we're, we're still pushing forward as if it's as if that's what we're going to do but i'm seeing more kind of evidence in my environment that we might need to push it back more so Maybe it's a month, maybe it's a couple months. We've been advised that we should even push it back six months um, because other people that want to be involved aren't really able to be on the same timeline that we're on. And like a slightly longer timeline would be better. And then we'd be able to produce something more fruitful that way. But I don't know, I'm not, I'm not really convinced because we could still release the token and just kind of progressively add utility and bring on more partners in the future, so. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit in a liminal space about that, but I think uh, there's a decision coming in the next few days. I guess it depends on like how big are the things that are coming. I think in our case, uh, like I, I was also like wanted to get it, get the fundraise on as soon as possible. And then I ended up starting it before we launched, for example, the My Meta profiles and had the new, the new landing pages and what other things. And then... Like it just didn't manage to get uh, momentum and then as these things were being released uh, midway through the fundraise, it just, uh, yeah, I think it would go, it would go much better from the beginning if like everything that we had was ready. Mm -hmm. so it were, we were releasing like all the tokenomics ideas and everything was like during the fundraise. And I thought that would like kind of uh, keep things up, but uh, I'm not sure it uh, helped in the end. Yeah, you know what, like my attitude with the artwork, because I did all the art myself. Well, I had some I had some help with the masks and then UV helped with a lot of the materials. But for the most part, it was me working on the art for six months. And I took it as slowly as it needed to go. And I think I produced something really great. Like I'm, I'm really proud of, of how the art turned out and how much thinking went into it and how deep it, it, it is. I felt like 
in the last couple of months, there's been more of a rush because our deadlines are coming up. So I felt like pushed to really like get this out. And I've been a lot more unhealthy in my lifestyle because of how many hours I've had to put into this thing. So I'm just sort of thinking like the, the way the results were best was when I was putting in the time that they needed and allowed it to go as slow as it needed to go. So I kind of, I feel very motivated to do it that way again and just kind of allow for emergence and creativity to, to come up and, and allow for the community to really like take the time that they need. Cause it's not just about us. It's, it's about like, how do other people engage in this project? And, and that's uh, everyone's short on time and, and needs more time to be able to think and allow. So I think if we allow for that with our partners as well, we'll produce something really amazing. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I think this is going to be like potentially a revolutionary project for Web3. I really do because it, it it's all those missing components that people always talk about with, with Web3 projects. Like, you know, the, like people are concerned about the team. Do, does the team have a background in the things they're doing and uh, are they able to execute? Well, we have like a 10-year track record of executing. Like as a team, we're we're actually like really skilled and super embedded in this space. Like when it comes to knowledge about regeneration and when it comes to the liminal space out there on the web, the liminal web, I should say, when it comes to connections and civilization 2.0 and game B and all this stuff, like we're, we're kind of like right at the center of all of these different converging movements. Right. And, and we're connected in, at, at that level as well. So and that's just one thing too. Like, like I also have a long background in art and, and, you know, digital uh, media creation and stuff. So like, I'm, I'm super happy to be the one making the art at the same time that we're doing all these other projects. And yeah. And, and then there's like the embodied portion with the village, like to actually have a metaverse project that links to a physical space and then potentially links to multiple physical spaces. Cause that's another component where we're connected to all these different villages around the world. So to like build this meta metaverse network of, of villages, I don't, I don't even know really many people that could like put all those pieces together. So I, I think the project like stands to be, I hope it changes people's perspectives about NFTs. I, I hope it becomes a catalyst for people to start adopting new governance models and kind of building different types of utilities into NFTs and really like play with this whole space with an open mind. Because at the moment, you know, we're just going through a market crash and there's a lot of FUD happening out there in the market. And there's lots of people who are like, why are you trading JPEGs? How stupid is that? And they really don't understand what this thing could become. And so I hope like that's part of my motivation is to really show people what a decentralized world could look like and not these just decentralization, like appropriate use of ownership and tech in a regenerative, regenerative civilization. Like that's an incredible piece for me. Right. Yeah. I definitely think it can create a lot of impact and especially with like <laughs> so much hate for the NFTs these days, like, Oh, like they're contributing to the global warming polluting the environment and so many scams and shit. I don't think that's going to continue though. Like, you know, we're obviously there's a lot of changes coming with Ethereum and kind of like looking at proof of stake. And I mean, I, I just feel like we're in such early stages of this technology and 
it yeah the media is able to like very quickly spread information and misinformation about the whole thing but it's not going to be like this forever there's a lot of motivated people out there who want to make uh cryptocurrencies and blockchains and de the decentralized web3 universe sustainable and regenerative and and helpful and environmentally friendly so like the innovation just can't help but go in that direction and i don't really think it's something that people need to worry about agree like this is if on the grand scale this is the revolution that will really change the world it will change government it will change business it will change the way humans organize and the the temporary like period of time where it's bad for the environment is is going to in the grand scheme of things going to be a blip compared to how many good things come out of this obviously there'll be other bad things as well but you know i think this is better than what we have that's why i support it yeah literally allows us to rebuild the society like one block at a time exactly one piece of infrastructure yeah yeah and then imagine what happens with with AI and and the possibilities with AI and blockchains. It's well, if I you could go every direction with that, but as long as we can keep it from going dystopian, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be. Good. I was like, why did I say that? Gosh. <laughs> First thing people think of when they think of AI is like uh, the Johnny Depp movie or like uh, Terminator or something, you know. But I see it as I see technologies like Dali coming out. Have you heard of Dali? No. Oh, it's so cool. So there's you basically have like a text box on a website and you just type in whatever you want to see. So you could be like a polar oh, bear yeah. juggling yeah. on a unicycle in uh, in the ocean with like a SpongeBob SquarePants art style. That's so that's my free flowing creative <laughs> creation. So you can like type that out and it will it will interpret what you say and create art out of nothing and it's incredible like it, that in itself well first of all imagine what's going to come out of nft projects from that like you do 10,000 variations of the polar bear meme or whatever and the ai creates it i mean sure people will look at that and be like that's just going to ruin art but i look at it from an nft utility standpoint where projects can create uh, really cool nfts with minimal effort and then go and do the thing they're trying to crowdfund, like build another village or something without having to take the six months that I took to make 10,000 unique art pieces, you know, like, you know, I, as much as I love doing the art, like it took six months out of building our village. So, you know, there's give and take there. Yeah. We actually had some guy trying to game the system in metagame by using a, uh something like that to make an art piece. So in Metagame, we have this channel called Didating, where people post uh, things that they did that like, contributed to the project. And then they get uh, people emoji that like on a scale, depend based on like how much impact they think they create, that created for, for the project. And then they get paid based on that. And uh, this person just uh, used this, like, uh, this thing to create an octopus in like a city art and wrote hey i created this uh, art piece for metagame and like uh, effort uh, medium impact medium like, oh, it's <laughs> and some people actually started uh emojiing it because i mean it, it looked cool <laughs> just didn't mention that he like <laughs> created the art by typing in a sentence yeah and then somebody gave the, the shit emoji, which is used for <laughs> signaling. 
Honestly, I don't. I really don't see an issue with that. Like, there's obviously an ethical issue if you pa- try and pass it off as your own work. But I mean, generative, totally AI generative art projects are actually fairly cool, in my opinion. And I, I just picture the days where that really gets added into a 3D VR metaverse context, and you could create these like these crazy psychedelic experiences for people based off of a, a simple textual prompt. Like it kind of reminds me of that movie with Robin Williams, What Dreams May Come. Like in that movie, to uh, I'm sorry, I got to spoil it, but if you haven't seen it already, it's like 30 years old or something. In that movie, he dies and, and goes to heaven and basically discovers that heaven is, is your own creation. So whatever you imagine, you create. And so AI becomes that mediation for the heaven that Robin Williams was experiencing in that movie. Like you think something, you type it out and in a virtual reality context, you create and manifest that thing immediately. And then maybe the AI is also kind of listening and watching how you interact with it and playing with you almost like a playmate, but a playmate that's trying to be in touch with your intention. So it's like, I think it will really create that feeling of like, of having almost godlike creative ability and as an artist that sounds so incredible to me like just imagine the what people would create or the experiences or the 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 mind opening and expanding experiences that people will, will be able to create on a whim like fucking amazing yeah, and imagine like even like five five ten more years out like with the Neuralink. Literally, just imagine it and getting created. Sure, yeah, I I definitely see that. Like, obviously, you can create your own hell, and that's the interesting thing is that that movie also illustrates how people create their own hell. But I literally think, like, at a spiritual level, I literally think this is what the point of life is anyway. Like, life trains you to be less of an asshole, so that when you are in death or in post life situation and manifestation is basically instantaneous you don't create your own personal hell like i think that's the point of reality is to sort of slow down how fast you manifest things so you have time to rewrite that but i think there'll be lots of opportunities with these technologies to kind of increase the intensity of that training which may be useful for some people like for myself i feel that would be incredibly useful in the same way that like people who play shooter games are more skilled than people who are actually in the military when it comes to like battle tactics. Like I saw this video a few months ago of a group of gamers who play uh, not Apex Legends, but what's the other one? Call of Duty. And they went against a bunch of military trained soldiers who don't play video games and the gamers wiped the floor with them. Like it was actually really incredible. They obviously didn't have the physical conditioning that the soldiers did, but they had the tactics and strategy because they had such a high level of condensed concentrated training into these micro high intensity periods of time. And they did that every day for hours and hours and hours. So they had exposure to a multitude of scenarios that the soldiers never did and partially due to their own physical limitations. So the the kind of like evolution of their mental exposure and capability was way, 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 way faster than the military guys. So I think that could be the direction that we go with this like AI metaverse thing. 
imagine that with creativity and like personal development, how much faster people could move. Right. Yeah. Crazy. The future is crazy. It is. Yeah. Well, the present is crazy. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. All right. We've been recording for almost an hour. Any, anything else that you want to go through? Sure. Well, I think I kind of want to put it out there that we're, we're playing with the idea of delaying this project. I just want to be transparent and <clears throat> just giving ourselves more time to, to like build up the metaverse component of it and build partnerships and stuff, but we still need a big chunk of money immediately. So I, I suppose what I would like to do is put it out there to some rich DGen if they want to support this project for a temporary amount of time until we launch the, the, the NFTs. Uh, we would be open to that. And I think it'll produce a much better project in the end if we do that. So that's kind of probably my call to action. Um, and then if anyone listening to this is not familiar with our projects, uh, there's portaldao.io, which is the whole DAO metaverse, and like village living lab regen project. And there's a ton of information on there. There's a white paper and I did all the website graphics and stuff myself. So it's pretty like, it's pretty. And then there's Future Thinkers, which is our podcast that we've had since 2013. And we've interviewed a whole lot of people in the regenerative uh, Web3 Game B spaces and the crossover, the liminal web. UV and I are kind of at the center with a number of other projects and people of the liminal web for a long time. And then if you actually want to come visit, just get a hold of me on our Discord in portaldao.io slash Discord and join us there. And uh, we can we talk about we have like a form that we're putting out there for people to come volunteer and do work stay programs. So we're looking for for help this summer. I think that's all my calls to action. I look forward to visiting someday. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, even even in the metaverse, seeing more shit that's been built. Yeah, the communal dome. Oh man. Yeah, I just love that idea. I love like the idea that people could be playing in the metaverse in the the same space as the real world. And you just kind of flick on and go online and like discover you've got all of these people like having a party around you in the metaverse and you didn't even realize it. <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> yeah. That should help with the, the winter loneliness. Yeah. I love this idea of like layers of, of information and, and, almost like Photoshop, you know, where you like, you could have, you can turn on separate layers of like the party layer and you, there's a bunch of people having a party or, or the like intellectual layer, you know, you can kind of just jump in through portals to these different places and play. It's just uh, so exciting. It's what gets me up in the morning. All right, dude. This was, uh, this was awesome. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Happy to help put the word out for the portal down in the village. You know, like the building a village was always my dream. You're making my dream come true. <laughs> I think it's a lot of people's dreams. Have you heard that meme, When Ranch? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't heard it before, but you told it to me. Uh, I love yesterday. that meme. <laughs> People are always saying in the, in the blockchain crypto world, when moon, when moon, and it's so annoying. But now, now people are starting in the regen space. They're starting to say, when ranch, <laughs> when village. I love that. Crypto village is definitely going to become a thing. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for doing this. Keep in touch. Yeah, and we're welcome and wish you all the best with 
the rest of the fundraise. Thank you. See you around. All right, man. Talk to you soon.